So we're about to start on one of the loveliest uh, passages in the book of Romans. I think you will find it enormously uh, insightful, of great breadth, and uh, it gives us a picture of the creation that God has made in a terrible state of longing, yet the longing is for something that is certain to come, the new creation. Well, Let's look at it, shall we? This is Colin Cook, and this is how it happens. Thanks for joining me today. You're listening to the good news of the gospel described in the book of Romans. We uh, explore this book every year or so, and uh, you will find that it trains your faith. So I hope you'll listen to this broadcast, not simply for inspiration, but for the purpose of training your faith so that you know how to express faith in the darkness, in your joys, as as well as in your sorrows. And uh, you will find that you can break through some addictions as well by this faith life. And so I, uh, if, you str- if you struggle with any forms of addiction, I strongly encourage you to listen to this broadcast, which you can hear, by the way, Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning, on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. You can also hear the broadcast on SoundCloud. Go to soundcloud.com forward slash faithquest. That's soundcloud.com forward slash faithquest. Or you can hear it on Podbean, faithquest.podbean.com. Well, here we are then. And this is the passage. Paul has just talked, as uh, we uh, learned uh, yesterday, of uh, our being heirs, inheritors of the universe. Incredible. Provided we suffer with him, as it says, that we may also be glorified together. And by the way, I may say just a word or two further about the suffering. There is no virtue in suffering. Now, that seems pretty obvious to say that, doesn't it? But there are uh, religions that is, uh, well, yes, I was about to say Christian religions, but that's true. There are Christian religions as well as pagan religions who actually make a virtue out of suffering. And they teach that suffering adds merits to our salvation and and all the rest of the uh, nonsense and poppycock. There is no virtue in suffering. It is part of the evil and the fall of the world and the uh, the fall of creation. But what happens is that as we allow Jesus to be with us in our suffering, and as we join him by faith in his suffering, we learn to uh, have a faith that comes closer to him, that walks more faithfully with him. But don't turn suffering into a virtue. There are some religious people who will all the time sort of be moaning about their sufferings as if it were some great uh, virtue that they have that they're enduring. And as a matter of fact, they're not enduring it at all. They're, They're dumping it on us and having us endure it by listening to their whining. So, uh, remember what we've said about suffering so far. Um, this is a choice, not to whether, whether to suffer or not, but whether to experience suffering in the fellowship with Jesus or whether to experience suffering alone. The world knows only how to suffer alone with the addition of antidepressants uh, or Xanax or some other thing. But uh, we know 
that we can lift our hearts up to God and ask Him to be with us and affirm by faith that He is actually with us in our suffering. Now then comes this passage that I was telling you is so lovely. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Now, I know this contains a lot of uh, mysterious kind of talk, um, language, terminologies, but we'll get through that okay. The first thing I'd want you to note about this is that this is Paul's first excursion into the universal picture of redemption. Well, it's not really his first, but it's a major one anyway, because you get the impression when you're reading the book of Romans that he's only talking on a personal, intimate level, one-on-one with individual Christians who have faith. And that's true. He is to some extent. But Paul's message and the message of the gospel is for the whole creation. And this passage is revealing how that creation will be universally redeemed. But first of all, let's look at this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared, are not worth comparing with the glory which shall be revealed to us. First of all, Paul accepts that suffering is part of this fallen world. It is part of life. He doesn't, unfortunately, I wish he did, although it would be pointless in a way, uh, I wish he would try to explain to us why the suffering had to exist in the first place. We don't really fully know the, the answer to that, though there are some things we could suggest. I'm not going to go there at this point, though. But um, Paul is accepting, along with all Christians who should do the same, that suffering is a part of this life. Now, why is it important to say that? Because many Christians think that when, when they become Christians, they should be freed from so much of the suffering of the world. Now, I grant you, we do get free from some sufferings. For instance, if you're a drug addict or if you're a, an alcoholic, uh, and if you uh, come to Christ and find freedom from your drug addiction or alcoholism, some people do, some people don't. For some people, it's a lifetime struggle, and for others, they find immediate uh, deliverance or recovery. But if you do find some recovery, then you are obviously suffering less, aren't you? You're not suffering hangovers. You're not suffering bankruptcy because of all the expense of your addiction. And you're not suffering uh, the loss of family and friends because you've now put your life together again. 
But let's not think that suffering automatically disappears. In a way, when we become Christians, in a way it actually increases. Because the fact is that the faith life is a suffering life. Now, let me say that again. The faith life is a suffering life. Why? Because it affirms what Jesus has affirmed on the cross for us, that our humanity is dead. Now, if our humanity is dead, then we, by faith, attempt, sometimes successfully and other times not, to not give it the time of day. It wants our attention, it wants our indulgence, it wants our lust, it wants, our, it's, uh, our, uh, it wants to consume our time and our energy and our health, and we say no. And the act of saying no to what we deeply desire and are used to is a, a form of suffering. So let's accept that suffering is a part of the Christian life. And as I said yesterday, suffering is also a part of the Christian life in that we suffer with Jesus in loving the world and forgiving those who harm us and do spiteful things to us. If I forgive, I forfeit my right to justice. If I forgive, I forfeit my right to recompense. I would rather let go of my rights in forgiving as long as I can relieve the person who has sinned against me of his guilt and shame because I want to bless him. So you see, there is a suffering in the act of forgiveness. So, what about it then? These sufferings have to be put in their right perspective. And what is that perspective? The, the perspective is the comparison of those sufferings with the glory which shall be revealed to us. Now, of course, we're almost talking uh, blindly when we say with the glory that shall be revealed to us, because we haven't seen it, have we? we we're living by faith. We're living... Um, uh, with a sight that cannot see. We're only seeing by faith. But you and I have been given some messages that the prophets were given of that kingdom to come, when there shall be no more death, no more pain, sorrow, tears, or crying. God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. There will be everlasting joy upon our heads and sorrow and sighing shall flee away, and the lion shall dwell with the lamb, and a little child shall sit on an adder's nest, and everyone will be safe and secure in the kingdom of God. That glory, even though it's only minimal in our vision at the moment, is what we should, should concentrate on at times in order to get a full conviction that the suffering that we're going through now is bearable because of what is to come. That's what Paul is saying here. Let's read it again. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. Jesus Christ is going to return. The kingdoms of this world will be taken over by the kingdom of God. 
sorrow and sighing, as I said, will flee away. And as it says in Psalm 16, in your presence is everlast is 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 everlasting joy. At your right hand are pleasures for evermore. Safety, security, freedom from guilt and shame and fear, the joy of peace, the joy of joy itself, the presence of God forever like an eternal light upon us and warmth, that is what we anticipate. You and I have been given the enormous boon of faith that allows us to believe that eternity is ours with all the joy that it shall bring. Now, I want to say that I don't realize what suffering you're going through. And when I think of the sufferings in the world in Somalia and uh, Uganda and uh, Yemen and uh, other places where starvation and Ethiopia, starvation is taking place and little kids are dying from lack of hunger, I realize that I can hardly open my mouth about other people's suffering. But I do beg you to look at Romans 8 verse 18 and think again of your suffering and compare it with the eternal glory to come. Thanks for joining me today. And if you would like to help to support this program, please do so. The funds are low at the moment and I need to pay the radio rent, which is 850 to $900 per month. And I'll be paying about 875 this month. So if you would like to help with a donation, please do so. You can send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. Each broadcast costs $39 per 15 minutes. Well, I appreciate all your donations and your support and your little notes. Thank you so very much, and I'll see you next time. Cheerio, and God bless.